Welcome to the Life Creation Podcast. I'm your host, Andrina Tisi. Together, we will explore thoughts, inspirations, and conversations that feed our soul, spark the mind, and nourish the body. Thank you so much for being here to learn and grow and for walking this journey called life with me. I am so thrilled that you're here to another episode of the Life Creation Podcast. <laughs> Today I have Rachel Waldinger on the podcast. Rachel is COO and head coach at Parents at Work. She's also a mother of two boys and exactly the love for being a mother and loving her career and trying to bring all under one head. And I'm actually not sure if the German saying unter einen Hut bringen can be translated into English, but it pretty much, much means that we're trying to bring so many different things under one cute little or big head. <laughs> In our conversation, Rachel shares the struggle with the transition to be a working parent and how she then decided to step away from a job that she loved to become a stay-at-home mom for more than five years. She is now dedicated to help companies, mothers and fathers to master exactly this transition to be a working parent. We talk about the importance of feeling seen and heard, courage and vulnerability, and how together we can transform the workplace culture in support of working parents. A very big aspect of Rachel's work is to help companies and individuals to take time to consider what is important, what they desire, and how they can turn those desires into reality. For me, it was a very inspiring conversation and it also made me really hopeful and I hope <laughs> you will be the same after our conversation. And before we head over to our talk, I would like to mention that there are now different ways to support the podcast, which is an independent podcast. But as I don't want to take up too much time to explain the different ways you can do so, I recorded a short episode, which is episode 40. And you will also find the link in the show notes. So you can head over there to find out more. And now let's head over to my conversation with Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the Life Creation Podcast. I'm so happy for you to be here. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. This is my first podcast, Andrina. So thank you for inviting me. <laughs> okay. It's the 
third of the second year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like I just mentioned, I switched up the the icebreaker questions. So to call, so you can, even if you want, close your eyes and just go go with it, whatever comes for you. Okay. Um, what is your favorite season? Oh, I used to always say fall. I love the colors, the season we're in right now, fall. Um, but after this summer where it was so much rain, <laughs> I'm longing for a bit more summer. But fall, I love to go hiking um, and experience the colors and, and the nature of fall. So we've I'll had stick with that for now. <laughs> had a beautiful fall. Yeah. Yes. Really good. If you could, what superpower would you have? Oh. What superpower would I have? The first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't know if it's a superpower, but courage. I love um, this courage. So no, and it's not about having no fear for me. It's about about seeing the fear and then still taking action and and doing whatever it is that needs to be done. So what what superpower is courage? I don't know. <laughs> we call it courage. Yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> I think we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Okay. What is always in your fridge? Oh, nothing is always in my fridge. <laughs> Oh, keeping the fridge full is always a hard thing for me. But, um, oh, gosh, you know, the, the ketchup bottles are always in my fridge. But fresh items I would love to always have in my fridge, um, but they're not there. So <laughs> that's an honest answer. And I love it. <laughs> Which book is currently on your bedside table? Uh, educated. Um, and educated. Have you heard of this book? No. Educated is a book. Um, it's about a, a woman in the U.S. It's based on a true story, a woman in the U.S. that grew up in a household where she was homeschooled, but essentially not schooled, um, and, and how she went on to um, be I, I don't, I haven't, I'm just at the start of it, right? But she's gone on to do amazing things. She's gone to university. She's written a book and um, just from being really isolated and um, excluded from the outside world as a young child. Very interesting. It's good. I'm, I'm going to learn all about these cool books and I'm excited to add, add it to my list. I've had it on my list for a very long time. And so I'm actually, I'm happy you asked this question because I actually started it this week. So there's a lot of books normally on the bedside table, but this one I have actually started. So thank you for asking me. Excellent. So diving into today's topic and I want to go right into it. For you, what was the biggest struggle when going back to the workplace after becoming a mother? Yeah. So this is a story I talk about a lot um, because it's the reason that I'm doing parents at work. The biggest struggle for me, um, I went, I was in the U S when I went back to work um, with our first child and I went back after eight weeks and I thought I had it all organized. I went back 50% and then I was going to do another eight weeks, 50%. And that part went okay. Um, but the biggest struggle for me was coming home on time. So once I got back into the work and I loved my team, I loved the work, 
I liked the energy and the, the just, I liked working. And so the hard thing for me was to then come home again at a decent time, because then I also loved being at home, of course, with my baby. And so the transition points of transitioning from being at home and pulling myself away from home into work and being at work and pulling myself away from work and back home were really hard, really hard. And the way it played out for me was, I had this terrible habit of staying in the office until it was dark out. So I didn't go to turn the lights on. So I would stay until it was time to turn the lights on in the office. And then I would go home, which in the winter months, living in Switzerland is maybe not so bad. I'd be going home at four o'clock, but I was living in the U.S. at the time quite far south. And I kept um, coming home so late, Andrina, and I was missing bedtime, bath time, kisses, dinner, everything with my nine month old baby. Um, and I realized at first, actually, I thought, okay, I'll do this. It'll, it'll be fine. I can go to 80%. Um, and I, I went to 80% with my boss was fantastic about it. Um, and I thought I'll come home at five. That just did not happen. It didn't happen. I kept staying at the office and not coming home. And so I ended up, um, stopping work, um, because I couldn't figure out how to manage, um, the transitions couldn't figure it out. That was for me the hardest thing. Yeah. And I think what's hard is it's, you want to be in both places at the same time. Yes. <laughs> and it's not that you're like, it's not that you don't want to work or you don't like your, your job. You want to do the best you can there, but you also want to do the best you can with your family. And that's not possible. Right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I grew up being a multitasker, right? Learning that multitasking was a fantastic skill to have. Um, and actually, it turns out I'm pretty lousy at multitasking. So the, the plus side of that is I can be really focused in the moment. Um, and so for me, I, I spent less time at work thinking I should be at home. Um, it was more like pulling myself out of work to get home and then pulling myself out of home to get to work. So yes. I was actually being in the moment, which looking back on it was probably not a bad thing, but at the time I felt like I should be multitasking and being able to do both at the same time. And I, I just, I really struggled with all of it all, all together. <laughs> it was then, not easy for me. Yeah. And then you, quit your job and you stayed home for five years correct yes exactly yep yeah. and then after five years you went back into the workforce workplace yeah let me just add one small thing to that if i may andrina absolutely the five years at home with the kids was harder than any office job i'd ever had <laughs> I hired a nanny while I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, not a full-time. She helped me an hour a day, but it, this was hard work for me, yeah. hard work for me. Um, so once I kind of figured that out and it took me quite a long time, then I went back to work. <laughs> and how was it then, five years later? Yeah, I was, I think um, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, it was scary. It was scary. So I. Um, I was at dinner with a friend who was bringing a coaching course to Switzerland and she mentioned this coaching course. And I kind of asked a few questions and I thought that sounds interesting. And then I thought I'm ready to get back into things. And I signed up for it just to kind of on gut instinct. Okay. I'm going to do this. Fine. 
And I showed up on the first day of the training course among people that were all still working. I was the only one that had taken a large pause. And I was so nervous Mm -hmm. to introduce myself. I mean, just shaking, like, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to introduce myself? Um, And then after the first day of the course, I thought, what have I got myself into? Why did I sign up for a four month long, you know, coaching course, (laughs) but I got through it. So it was scary coming back. I think I'd I'd lost all the confidence and experience um, that I'd had five years prior. Well, and I think today what's also, I mean, and you just said, I mean, it was hard to be, you know, at home with your children for five years and managing family and household and education and, you know, 24 seven and, but still in society, it's not valued the same as if you have a quote unquote normal job. And, you know, it's so interesting you hear, I, I, I promote and support um, parents to do whatever is best for them. And as I'm hearing you, though, reflect that back to me. And we talked about multitasking and focusing. And I think for some people, doing both is exactly the right thing. And for me, looking back on it, I had trouble with transitions and just taking time to be a parent perhaps was the best thing for me, but it didn't feel like a choice to me at the time. I felt like I had no other choice. So, but I think you're right. Society does um, put this from different, different sides of society. So some society um, perspectives say we should stay home with our kids and some others should, they say you should be in the office setting an example as a woman. I have two boys, but setting an example to be in the office and, and multitask. So I think we get pressures from both sides. And so it's all the more important, I think, for us to know what works for us as individuals, as families. Absolutely. Because then if it's all from the outside, we feel like we can't do enough either way, right? And that's that's not a good feeling. (laughs) No, absolutely. Right. Then we're never getting it right. Yeah. Absolutely. So for you, um, what is or what qualities does an empowered working parent has? That's a perfect lead-in question because I feel like an empowered parent has the space to think about what's important to them and their family. And then the courage, the support, the resources to take action in that direction for what they want. So the way that looks, would it help if I kind of give an example for that? Because I think when we talk about being empowered, it's kind of, especially as coaches, it lands with us, but maybe not with everybody, right? Um, But so many times when talking with parents and organizations, they talk about wanting to reduce to 80% or not working 100% or here in Switzerland where the kids are not in school on Wednesday afternoons. I'd love to have Wednesday afternoons off. Um, And so many of them, because of fear or doubts or societal pressures or financial pressures, but for whatever reason, they don't feel safe enough to ask for that. Yes. Okay. And, and so having the space to consider, okay, what is it? Do I really want? Do I want 80%? Do I want Wednesdays off? What, what clearly is it that I want? Do I want more time with my kids? Just looking at what you want and then taking action. So having the courage, the confidence, the support to take action, to get that. So talking with your line manager about what it is that you want, and then 
at, at least having the conversation, right? Because so many times we have we have fears and things that stop us from even taking action. So an empowered parent is taking action in the direction um, for what for what they clearly want in a certain situation. Yeah, and there comes the, the courage in the superpower. <laughs> yes, this is a big one for me. <laughs> it is, because and I think, you know, the other day I was just looking up the difference between being brave and being courageous. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, right? And I think realizing that, hey, I feel maybe insecure or I have fear talking to my manager or my supervisor about my needs and my vision and my dreams, but that is this is what I want. And even though I'm afraid, I'm going to ask for that meeting anyway. Yeah. And a lot of people don't recognize the difference between um, courage and f- being fearless. We hear so much about people being fearless, like go and go and don't have any fear. And I think a lot of people strive for that in the coaching conversation I have. I, I don't want to be scared to talk to my boss. Well, in my opinion, it's it's very difficult to eradicate the fear. And so just noticing that it's there. Yeah, I am. I'm scared to have that conversation. But what's on the line is so important. I'm going to have it anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it comes back to society. I think it's 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 fear is bad. Fear is not right. bad. It's, it's what we make make of it. Or it's like the same thing with anger. Anger is not not bad it's just a human emotion but what what are we doing with it yeah or are we letting letting it rule our actions coming back to what you said with the action right yeah and I'm curious I love words right so when you look at bravery and courage so I think of fearless and courage but bravery what did you come up with bravery is that no fear or taking action in face of fear bravery Mm -hmm. is no fear Uh yeah yeah and so talking also about, you know, of course, then there is, you know, the parent, um, but of course, then there is the company or the organization. And then, of course, we also have the co-worker and the teams and all that, and all plays into a nice, a beautiful um, piece of art. <laughs> yeah. um, can a you, messy piece of art. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about, about maybe the different these three different things so we've talked already a little bit about the the parent mm-hmm. um how is it for maybe the co-worker of a parent or the team and how is it for then the overall organization mm-hmm. so there's two things that really come front of mind. Well, the first thing is kind of a story, right? So before I had kids, I was leading um, a team of people in the U.S. And um, I have to say, I was not the most empathetic leader for parents. So that played out in a way where somebody would call in sick, a single parent perhaps, Um, because their child was sick and then the other child was sick and then all of a sudden it was two weeks out of the office and rather than sitting down and being a supportive manager trying to find a solution to this challenge I resorted to control if you will like you've got to be in the office you've got to figure it out yourself Um, which I can only imagine now must have been an extremely difficult situation for the people working for me. So I think of that now when I think about leaders in organizations 
that have parents working for them? And how can we just have more conversations and support people to, to talk about it, right? So two weeks out of the office, something has to be done because we've got work that has to be done and we were supporting clients, but just handing it over to the parent to handle themselves is not a very supportive role to take. So when you talk about the organization, I think really about the managers, the leaders in that organization that have the ability um, to respond to those situations many different ways. And then from the peer perspective, what I what comes to my mind, first of all, is kind of like peer pressure, right? So we talked about society before, but there's also a huge amount of peer pressure when um, when we're having meetings at eight o'clock in the morning and everybody's showing up um, and then it's, and I've got to take my child to daycare, it's really hard to be the lone, the lone person not doing that. When there's people taking calls on in nights and weekends, working Wednesday afternoons, um, even though I've taken Wednesday afternoon off, there's a huge amount of peer pressure to do what everybody else is doing to keep up with the pack. Um, and so... And I think a lot of it, it's just, you know, Brené Brown talks about like shining the light on our gremlins. And I think um, there's, there's no, people don't always talk about it, right? They feel scared to say, I don't, I don't want to um, make this eight o'clock meeting because this is the time I drop my child off at daycare. But there's probably in a group of six people, two or three others that feel exactly the same way, but we're not talking about it. And so we've got to shine some light on it and support each other. So one of the things that we really talk about with parents at work is storytelling. Just start sharing your stories because it's very likely that when we share our stories, other people see their own situations and then they have the courage to speak up and, and, and we build then momentum to take action and make things the way we want them to be. Beautiful. It's, like you know the the question that is in our head when we're in a group always remembering that if i have that question yeah a few others probably have to say right and it always takes one person to to raise the story or the question or 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 the challenge right yeah um so what can organizations do I guess besides being having an open door and being open and giving that space and sense of safety to raise certain challenges of employees but I mean even on a very practical level like you said well the work has to be done (laughs) right Right? Um, what can companies and organizations do to support working parents The word empowerment is coming to my mind. And I think it's because, um, you know, it starts by having that safe space to kind of at least explore solutions together. And this takes a lot of courage on an organizational point as well, right? Because we've got clients to serve, customers to stake, uh, shareholders. And so it takes courage from an organizational and leadership standpoint as well. But creating the space to have creative solutions and empowering your employees to to take action. So, um, and, and rather than, so we talk about going back to work and I was talking with two friends who are leaders um, and 
how much time do we spend in the office, right? And so some perspectives are, you need to be in the office two days a week, three days a week, um, and being super clear about how we're gonna return to the office. There's other organizations and leaders that are talking about the intentions. What, what is it that we're trying to do? And the leaders and the organizations are setting that intention, setting that purpose, setting the, the North Star, and then empowering their employees, their teams, their, their leaders as much as possible to figure out the how do we make that happen? I think that to me is a fantastic way to meet the, the needs of both the organization and the individuals working for it. It gets complicated, Andrina, when you have shareholders um, because a lot of organizations without shareholders are, can be very purpose-driven and they can, they can drive the business and the actions based on intention and purpose. But sometimes when you have shareholders and the only intention is money, it gets, it gets more challenging, right? So I think being a purpose-driven organization outside of money and empowering your employees to move in the direction of that purpose and intention is, a, is I mean, it sounds big, it sounds lofty, and there's smaller steps to that. But to me, this is a fantastic way to really support employees um, and, and, um, and, and make it a good place for them to work and to accomplish the organizational objectives as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean... Sometimes all we need is feeling seen and heard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just, just being able to have the conversation and, you know, having said, yes, I understand. It's challenging. Let's figure it out. <laughs> right? Kind of thing. That already can, in a very tense system in terms of, you know, a parent who is like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, can already be like, Whew, okay. Yeah. At least, uh, at least there is an open ear, right? And oh, I think already that can relax the situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, what what came to mind when you were talking about that is is the values, right? Values like what are obviously the the, the company or the organization or values, but also what is the employees' values? What is the 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 leaders and the and then how can they they're not going to be the same, 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 but can we talk about it, right? Can we find some common ground there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with this returning to the to work thing, what are people valuing? A lot of companies actually want to have the office time so that so that employees can connect, right? They're actually, they, they want to provide that space. So the intention is good, but it's, it's not, land, the how is where it's not landing. So you're right, talking about values, um, and aligning on those values yeah. is, um, is, is that's valuable in itself. And, yeah, absolutely. and the space to be seen and heard. I mean, the, the, uh, the listeners won't be able to see this, but behind me, I've got a big block on my flip chart. Oh, that says empathy. Yeah. And empathy is um, a big part of what we talk about in our program as well, because, um, and we talk about empathy versus sympathy. And, and when, we, when we can listen, really listen to people and, and relate their feeling in that situation to how I feel, that already makes a huge difference. And that's empathy. Rather than sympathy, feeling sorry for somebody, oh, I'm sorry it's so difficult that you've got to take your child to daycare. 
responding with empathy and saying, oh gosh, I've been there before. And I, I get that feeling of wanting to be in two places at one time, or, you know, wanting to be there to drop your child off and wanting to be in that meeting. Um, and so just res- giving, being seen and heard is a big, big part. And it makes a difference among coworkers. It does. And I think what just came up for me is that, you know, empathy has more, again, this energy of empowerment and sympathy more of exactly are you poor thing but that also means like i'm being made weak yeah i'm being made as a victim and that's a low vibration but empathy is like okay seen and heard okay let me be empowered in being seen and heard right and you know you mentioned um before when you when you were you know managing your team in the u.s and and i think and i have had a experience I've, I've witnessed it when i was working in canada in a team you know now i'm, I'm self-employed and, and not in that regular office environment anymore but i saw i saw how it is for 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 parents and and coming in and and you know daycare and and grandparents buckling <laughs> yeah. all that and i think the workplace is is changing a lot and I want to talk a little bit about that after but I think also our family systems are changing right I mean I don't know did we talk about patriarch family 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) like this comes in um we have more single mothers single dads um I think we also have our you know, our parents, so the grandparents are more, I want to say in general, they're healthier, they're getting older, healthier, and then they want to take advantage of their health and their freedom and not only quote unquote, look after their grandchildren. Um, So I think, I think living situations are changing as well. And then, you know, the family structures are changing and also the whole situation about expats right like people move i mean i lived in i didn't i I don't have children but i lived in in vancouver i don't know how i would have done it right Mm -hmm. but people Mm -hmm. move to switzerland and maybe you know their family support is i don't know where um so can you talk a little bit about that also the difference between maybe single parents, mother, fathers, and couples that I would be curious about. What do you see? Yeah. So the expat topic um, touches me immediately because I am an expat American living in Switzerland. And I think also coming from the U.S. where we moved, I moved eight different times in the U.S. So for my parents, they were also, my, my parents were away from their parents always. And so now my parents are also, they've took care of four kids in my family growing up. And so now they're in their retirement and four kids was enough. There's no need to spend full time taking care of the eight grandkids. Um, So that fully resonates with me. And um, especially in Switzerland, there's a ton of expats here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think somewhere along the line, we've, we've learned to feel like, asking for help is not acceptable. 
And I did that for a long time when we were in England and I didn't have any family and I felt like I couldn't ask for help. I needed to do everything by myself. Um, and that did not work. <laughs> that was a, a true challenge. And so I think moving to Switzerland and I think for all parents, especially expats, single parents, um, and all parents, to be perfectly honest, this asking for help, it's again, not a sign of weakness. To me, it's a sign of strength. So um, because knowing what would help and asking for it, that sometimes already makes a big difference in our empowered feeling to make to, to change things. So I think asking for help and building my community here um, has been hugely beneficial to me. Um, I'm not a single parent. Well, I, I feel sometimes like a single parent because my husband travels all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same. It's whether you have grandparents here, it's just about, it's it's not easy to do by yourself. Um, it's possible. And this is what I kind of realized. I can do it all by myself and it is no fun. It's just miserable. And so what we have here in our little community with the, with the working moms is because the schedule here is crazy, right? So um, the kids are sometimes at one house for lunch. They're sometimes at my house for lunch. If I have an important um, call, we are working truly as a community to support each other because none of us have family here. And I think it's necessary. And being, you know, sometimes I needed a babysitter just because I couldn't take, I just needed space for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I was always hesitant to ask a girlfriend to, to help me. But then I realized if a girlfriend called me and said, oh, my gosh, I need to like have a few minutes away from my kids. Can the kids come to you? I would love to to support her in that way. And so I think being able to ask for help and knowing that if somebody can't do it, they'll say no. Um, and trusting that for me was hugely beneficial. I don't know if that's a bit of rambling, Andrina. I don't know no. what you want to take from that, but that's what comes to my mind. Yeah, no, I think it's it's really good. And I think that's also going to be reflected in, I think that's already happening, like in the whole housing kind of thing, you know, where like this, not communal living, but like where like, it's just, it, it's it's not like, you know, everybody's in their, house and doing their thing it's more like hey yeah like yeah community living I think that's gonna be um future yeah I feel that way too of course as an American we all want our own cars and our own houses like this is a very I feel like a very American kind of that's how I was raised okay but I live in Europe now and my house is about a quarter of the size that it might be in the United States and I love it. It's not yeah. a lot. To, it's not as much to clean, to take care of. And I, all the kids walk to school mm -hmm. um, starting at a very young age and they know all the neighbors in the neighborhood. So this idea of community living, I actually really appreciate. Yeah. And do you see a difference for women and men or for mothers and fathers? In which I do see differences, 100%. So help me understand specifically what you're thinking. Um, well, I think for me, I mean, what I see, there is still, we still have a long journey to go in terms of um, same salary, same same concept, same, same quote-unquote rights. Um, mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> and of course, also the traditional aspects in terms of, um, well, the mom is going to stay at home. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and that's not only, I mean, I think that's hard for both parties, right? Because, um, as a, as a little, little side story, um, my cousin, he lives in, um, in Seattle with his family. And a few years ago, he did an early retirement mm -hmm. and his wife went back to work. Okay. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was so great. And he would just then like be with the boys. I mean, they're already like older at that point. I mean, like young teenager, teenagers, I think. Uh-huh. But still, like he was then at home, like doing the cooking and doing some soccer coaching and, and all that. But what I thought was interesting is what thing it raised in my family here in Switzerland. Oh, but how is that possible? Right? Like, well, how not? <laughs> right? So, um, yeah. And I think my question is, how is it in maybe individually for, for mothers and fathers, do they have similar challenges in their own being? Um, and how are they being received from peers, from organization, the same or different? Okay. Yeah. So a, a lot of things come to my mind for that. But um, first off, what I'm seeing is there's a lot of, men. So, so as women, we have a lot of fear or pressure, I think, to stay home with our families, especially in Switzerland. Okay. And there's other places where you may not feel that pressure. Um, and it's, and then we may feel guilty or not, or out of the norm when we, when we are working a hundred percent. Okay. For men, the norm there is to work. And there are a lot of men and fathers that want to do the soccer practices, that want to spend time with their families, and they don't feel safe enough to do that. So they need to be having conversations as well with their line managers. It's, 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 it's about, in my mind, just let's just start talking about it. And the good news is a lot of young people are starting to talk about it. So when I, there's, there's lots of young families I know they're having kids and they're both reducing to 80%. And there's each spending one day at home with the, with the baby and three days um, in the crippe or, or with what, however the childcare solution is. And I think this is fantastic, right? Because they're, they're speaking up more. And I actually think there's a lot of organizations and managers that want to support this. But, but there's so many reasons we're not even talking about it. Um, and so if we can just start talking about it and putting it in the open, there are some that are going to be resistant to it, but there's still a lot of support out there. If we can just, just bring it out into the open. Yeah, and I think it comes back to what you said earlier on in terms of um, just raising the topic and then see, see what happens. And, and yeah, maybe you know, somebody doesn't even realize, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't know that you would like to stay, exactly. you know, on Wednesday afternoon at home and go play soccer with your son, your, you know, or 
your daughter, right? And I got to tell you, I still, so I don't work on Wednesday afternoons and right now, Thursday afternoons that the second one changes depending on the kid's schedule. And I noticed in myself just a few, um, a few months ago that I was much more inclined to tell people, women, that I don't work on Wednesday and Thursday afternoons. And I noticed a real hesitation when, when a man asked me to meet on a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon, a much bigger hesitation for me to say, I don't work on Wednesday or Thursday afternoons. And I just have started noticing that. And this is where my, if I had any superpower, the courage to just to say, hey, I don't work Wednesday and Thursday afternoons. And I'm, it's getting better because just noticing that that was happening has made it easier for me to speak up. Um, but I think sometimes we, we take actions based on fears or doubts or whatever, um, social um, training, <laughs> um, and, and we don't even notice it. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's similar what you said before is that as women, we may feel that, you know, we have to stay at home or we feel or, you know, so many, so many patterning in terms of society. But I also think for, for men, they're still programmed to be the breadwinner. So if they are, then are like, well, I, like you said before, I do want to reduce to 80% then what does that mean in their quote-unquote status or in their possibility to advance in their career, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a huge topic too, right? Are then they're not being seen as men enough? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, for sure. And there are still a lot of people that will view it negatively. And there's more and more people that when they see their leader or their peer take the action and reduce to 80%, it's admired. There's still a lot of people that look down on it, but there are a lot, there are more and more people. The number of people that admire that action is growing because they want the same. And that's really nice to hear. And I, I love to hear that because I think that's really, 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 really good. What has the big C word? What has <laughs> what has COVID? I mean, how has it impacted? I mean, it has impacted obviously, but um, from what I see is that two years ago, home office was not possible, and now you know I'm going a little bit extreme. Home office was not possible to home office being mandatory. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and everything in between, um, you know, home office, homeschooling, going back to work again, you know, being back in home office, 50-50, whatever, all, all, all it is. What have you experienced over the last almost two years? A lot of hard moments. <laughs> so... I think I mentioned earlier, my, I'll just tell from a personal standpoint, because I think it's probably resonates with, with others as well. But um, so I had launched my coaching business and it was just, it was running um, well. Okay. And my husband was traveling all the time. So when Corona first hit, all of a sudden we were all the kids, everybody, we were all home all the time for every meal 
And with coaching, I, I need a quiet, private space to coach. I can't have interruptions. Um, and so in the beginning, it was really a transition for us. And I remember having, calling a family meeting and just saying, you guys already know I love my, my work and I am really struggling right now to see how I can make it happen. We have to decide if I put it on hold until everybody can go back to, to basically out of the house. <laughs> um, and you know, my eight-year-old, he was seven or I guess he must've been seven at the time. He said, no, mom, you, and they all agreed. You love your work. We don't want you to stop working. And he went and he got a cardboard thing and he made a sign. Listen, when you're coaching, just put this sign on the door. That means emergency only interruptions. And then for the other meetings, because I normally like to, to bring them in and say hi when it's not a coaching meeting. Um, for the other meetings, it's the smiley face. That means we can come in and say hi and interrupt you. And we promise we're going to follow the, the, the rules on that. You definitely should keep doing your business. So I loved this. Yes. And, and the theme there was we talked about what was important and we were really intentional about how we were in that time. And it gave my husband a chance to have every meal with us for a year. And this was incredible for us, for him, for the kids, for me, for all of us. Um, so this was amazing. And so it gave, I think, the fathers that are working hard and earning the money and, and traveling and really focusing on their career as a way to support their family, they all of a sudden had another way to support their family just by being present. And I think a lot of them learned in those moments. He started doing the, the soccer practices and the and, 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 you know, just being there for meals was huge. And I love the story you mentioned about your nephew, because I read a book one time, I have two boys, and they say the first five years of, of, of boys' lives, they're like mama boys, right? Like everything comes from mom, they probably don't even want to look at dad, that happens a lot, okay? Then the second five years, from five to 10, they really look to their fathers in their lives. And I love this idea of early retirement. I mean, what if we created space in this in in a different time period for another parent to take the primary parenting role this could be beautiful so i'm thinking of this in my mind um and so i think so then we got used to it right we finally we had all the the transition difficulties we finally got used to it and we thrived i would say as a family with two working parents in corona um and then everything's going back to being in the office, full-time travel. And I've had many meltdowns in the last month, mm -hmm. <laughs> let me just say. So I'm still, I think, figuring that one out. Like how do we transition to having my husband be back on the road has not been easy for any of us. Yeah. Um, and so I think just, we're just talking about it, right? So we're still, we're just talking about what's important and trying to be intentional on how we stay focused on what's important and we're still figuring out the how do we make that work yeah and probably it's a it's a transition for for many and that, that's you know that's why it's so beautiful that you share your story because it, probably a lot of people can relate and um giving giving ourselves time to <laughs> to settle back into the new kind of thing right because it's not 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 the old that is the same but it's like the new and learning from what has happened and how can we incorporate it right yeah absolutely absolutely 
And I, and I hear it's a, I hear, especially for the dads is where I hear it the most. They've enjoyed the time at home with the family. I mean, the moms too. And the moms are now, I think, more courageous to say, I want to stay working from home. And I think the dads want to, but I don't know if they're feeling as safe to say it. Now, sometimes too, I, I, I don't know if my husband would agree with me or not, but it's also not easy to be home all the time, right? So, so I completely understand that going off and traveling every week is a little bit easier. So there's that too, but just finding the, the, the way that works for each family and talking about it is I think the point that we're at right now. Yeah. And, you know, you're working with so many different cultures. I do want to touch on, on that just a little bit. Um, and of course you, you know, lived in, in America, being American, being now in Switzerland, but also in terms of working with other people and cultures and what do you see there? Is there, is it, is there no difference or do you see that there is a difference? There's certainly differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really try to do when there's, there's always similarities and differences, right? And what I have found I really like to do is to connect with people on similarities. So we're all parents. That makes us all in my, in my line of business. Okay. So, but we're all people if we were to be super inclusive. Right. Mm-hmm. And I try to connect on our level of humanity so that we feel safe enough to talk about our differences. And so once we feel we connect on humanity and we can talk about our differences, then we can use those differences to be intentional about what actions we want to take, if that makes sense. It feels a bit abstract right now, but um, I'm trying to think of an example that might help. But I, I feel let's connect on our similarities so that we feel safe enough to talk about what's different, and then we can decide what we're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S. right now, and I don't, I don't want to get political. However, I do feel in the U.S. right now, there's a lot of choosing sides and defending our standpoint. And I would just love to see people connect first on whatever similarities they have so that we can talk about our different opinions and decide what's best. Yes, and I think that's really beautiful because then culture backgrounds is not even that important if we just focus on what we have in common, right? To start with, because I do think our cultural differences, our gender differences, our religious differences, spiritual, all of our difference are important, but we have to take this important step first of connecting on what's similar yeah. So that we can talk about what's different because my way is not right. Your way is not wrong. Your way is not right. My way is not wrong. They're just different. And if we can connect on what's similar, then we all of a sudden have so many more choices to choose from. Yes. And we can learn from each other. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Andrina. <laughs> so I have a last question for you. Okay. Do you have a mantra or a quote or a life motto that just brings you back, you know, to this to this path and your your just back into center when maybe sometimes it gets a little bit 
you know, we sway off or something? Do you have something that roots you down? And I mean, of course, that can change as well, but maybe you have something that helps you right now. Yeah, I love, I don't have a mantra, but I'm thinking, I've been kind of considering it because Brené Brown has a, a mantra, something about, I won't get the exactly right about, about not staying small and not puffing up, but just being herself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love that one. And I sometimes seal that one for myself. And I think for me, I'd love to get a quote or have it really clearly defined, but for me, it's about being really intentional. There's something about, about slowing down and noticing what's important for me um, first so that I can be open to hearing what's important for others and then being really intentional in the actions I take. And so I don't know if that's a mantra, but just I'll, do I have time to tell a super quick story, Andrina? Yes, of course. <laughs> I was driving to Italy with a really good friend of mine um, from here in Switzerland. And we had four kids in the car and we were trying to decide, are we going to take the windy road or are we going to take the highway? And I was saying, I don't know. What do you want to do? And she said, I don't know. What do you want to do? And we had a couple back and forth moments of, I don't know. I don't know. What do you want to do? And I was trying to guess what does she want? Yeah. And I imagine she was trying to guess what I wanted. and. I, then I just stopped and I said, okay, take a minute, take some space, take some time and consider what would you do if I weren't in the car and get really clear about what's important to you. It's a tiny little example, right? And I'll do the same and then we'll share. And it turns out we both wanted to take the windy road, the scenic route and enjoy the view. And I have a child who gets extremely car sick. So I said, I'd rather not have the smell of sick kid in the car. So let's take the highway. And it was okay. But it was so much easier to stop and think about what was important and then talk about it and then make a decision together. I wasn't married to doing it my way, but I had to to pause and think about what was important to me first before I could be open minded to hearing what the other options were. And then it was so much easier to make the decision. How beautiful. (laughs) That's a really nice way too finish our wonderful talk thank you so much Rachel thank you Andrina really for inviting me Um, I've really enjoyed it you've inspired me to do more um, more podcast interviews and um, very well done I've really appreciated and enjoyed it What a inspiring and important message Rachel and parents at work have It makes me hopeful, like I mentioned already in the intro, and at the same time, I know we still have a long way to go. So I encourage you to share this episode and start the conversation with your colleagues, your teams, and your boss to learn more and find out more about parents at work the website and everything is under parentsatwork.com and of course it's also linked in the show notes as well as the links to the social media platforms (laughs) of parents at work and i also encourage you to answer these questions for you that Rachel mentioned. What is important to you? 
What do you desire? And how can you turn those desires into reality? And maybe that's for you as an individual, maybe as a parent, maybe as a co-worker, maybe as a boss. So maybe there is also different areas of your life that you answer these questions. And I look forward to hearing from you to see what your takeaways are from this episode. And yeah, I'm grateful for you to be here. And thank you so much for walking this life together with me. 